0: Turn with me, please, this evening to the Gospel account of John, the ninth chapter. If you've been with us on these Friday evenings, then you know that we've been teaching and ministering on the subject of receiving and ministering healing. And uh, if you're new with us, then you'll find out that we believe very strongly that God is a healing God. Amen. Amen. Physical healing too. Amen. Heal your body. He cares whether you're hurt or not. And uh, you know people believe all kind of things. With no scripture to back it up. And so uh, your life ought to be built on something solid. Faith in the word of God. I mean men's ideas and feelings and experiences and all this stuff will pass away. But the word will not pass away. And your feet ought to be planted solidly on thus saith the Lord. And so we have been for weeks now taking one by one the 19 individual cases of healing recorded in the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's about 19 of these Where somebody We're told what was wrong with them and what they did and how they came to Jesus and what He did and how they received the healing, how He ministered healing to them, and how many believe that God's will is the same today as what we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that the way Jesus ministered is the best way and right way today, amen? The way these people received is the correct way and effective way for you and I to receive today. That's why the Lord gave us this book. That's why He gave us these things. And so let's uh, go on tonight. Into another account of healing, in, in John 9, the account of the healing of the man born blind. It's only recorded in John 9. A number of these others are recorded in, in more than one account. This one is only in John. John 9. Are you ready to read? Uh, I'll read to you then. John 9, and we'll start in the first verse. I'll read out loud. You read silently. It said, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. More spitting. And made clay of the spittle. And anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said to him, go wash. Go wash. In the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation, sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Hallelujah. Let's keep reading. I think we ought to just read the rest of this. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they to him, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus. Anybody met that man? Oh, hallelujah. He made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and received my sight. How many know it pays to do what the Lord tells you to do? Then said they to him, where is he? He said, I know not. They brought him to the Pharisees, him that aforetime was blind, and it was the Sabbath day. Uh-oh. I know mean, Jesus got in so much trouble for doing stuff. on? This, if he had just done it uh, one day earlier or one day later. But you know, even if it gets you in trouble, how I many know you ought to do what the Lord tells you to do when he tells you to do it? And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keeps not the Sabbath day. You know, people, I mean, it's that way today. So many folks, if it don't come the way they think and within the box and formula that they think, they're not going to accept it. Even though it's obvious, there's results right there in front of you. Well, yeah, but we don't accept that because we don't believe it that way. Others said, how can a man that's a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. And he said to the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he's opened your eyes? He said, He's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight till they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, he said, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered them, and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we know not. Or who has opened his eyes, we know not. He's of age. Ask him. He'll speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he's of age, ask him. You know, how many understand that identifying with the message of faith, identifying with the message of healing, identifying with the message of prosperity could cost you with some folks. Could cause some people to ostracize you, to think you're off, to think you're messed up. But how many want to identify with Jesus? I mean, bear the reproach. Identify with him. He was reproached. And uh, anyway, verse 24, then again they called the man that was blind. I mean, he's already been through this before. And they said, give God the praise. We know this man's a sinner. He answered and said, well, whether he's a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, I was blind, now I see. <laughs> Don't you love that? Glory to God. What you going to do with that? Huh? How you going to explain that away? And so uh, then said they to him again, what did he to you? How opened he your eyes? They're choking on this, aren't they? Here the parents said, this is our boy. Yes, he was born blind. We don't know how. Ask him. People who testify, yeah, we know the man. Blind from the day he was born. They're looking at it right in the eye. They don't want to believe it though. You know, seeing is not believing. They're standing there looking at a miracle and refuse to accept it. Refuse to believe it. I'm not that way. How about you? I'm quick to believe. Amen. He answered and said, I told you already, and you didn't hear. Why would you hear it again? You want to be his disciples? <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> then they reviled him. Oh, that made him mad. They said, You are his disciple. We are Moses' disciples. We know God spoke to Moses. As for this fella, how many of you don't talk about Jesus like that? This fellow. We know not from whence he is and how true it was. They didn't realize how ignorant they were. Where was he from? Heaven! Sent from God! They claimed to be experts on what was of God and what was not and sitting there looking at the work of the sent one and the fulfillment of scripture and completely blind. They were, these are, you understand, these are Bible toters. These are Bible thumpers and scripture quoters, but blind, don't know God. How many know you can know scriptures and not know God? You can have 45 Bibles and not know a thing about God, not know God. You can holler about scriptures and not know God. I don't just want to know verses. I want to know him who said the words that's in the book. Amen. The person. Christianity is not just a, a ritual and a religion. It's a relationship. Amen. It's knowing the real person. Yeah. Amen. Amen. How many know him? He's real to you. Yeah. Just like your mom, your dad, your spouse, your child, your friend. He's real and even more real. He's not just with you. He's in you. Amen. 24 hours a day. Amen. Every day of your life. How many can sing, He lives. Yeah. Yeah. He lives. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within me, in my soul, in my heart. He's alive. So everybody say Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. And the man answered and said, When I hear is a marvelous thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. Now we know God hears not sinners. Now, another way, Now, God hears sinners. You understand, when you call on him, sinners say, please save me. Well, of course, he hears them. But he's talking about somebody used of God in a powerful ministry like this. That's not going to be somebody that's a sinner. It's going to be somebody that walks with God. If any man be a worshiper of God and does his will, him he hears. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? And you don't have any record of that in the Old Testament. I mean any record. So this is a true statement. How I many know it's happened since then, though? Yes. And is continuing to happen. Yes. He said, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. How true. Yeah. They answered and said to him, You were all altogether born in sins, and do you teach us? Yeah. And they cast him out. That didn't mean that they, the usher escorted him out. He's out of the church. Yeah. Actually, the margin of my Bible says, excommunicated. He's out. And he's standing out there. <laughs> he ain't a part of the church no more. But he can see. <laughs> <Hallelujah>. <laughs> now, who would rather be a part of a, a dead bunch who looks down on you as though you're an inferior person anyhow? Or you'd rather have results from God? Yeah, amen. Let them say what they want to. He's standing out there, and Jesus heard somebody told him that they had thrown him out and taken his name off the roster. <laughs> and Jesus went and found him. Is that your Jesus? Yeah. He went and found this guy. He heard it, and he went and looked him up, and he found him, and he said, Do you believe on the Son of God? Well, I man, he's just glad that anybody had talked to him. <laughs> And he answered, he said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe? You understand, this man has never seen Jesus. Did you hear me? He said, yeah, but he t- yeah, but he told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. He couldn't see it that minute. He didn't see it till he got to the pool and washed. And so it's obvious that he he's not understanding exactly who this is. And he says, you have both seen him and it's he that's talking with you right now. Amen. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Oh, glory to God. Now, obviously, these uh, some of these uh, leaders and Pharisees that were giving him such a hard time are there. Uh, Maybe he's just standing out close to the door where they throwed him out. I don't know. But obviously they're there. You can see from the next verse because they're hearing what Jesus is telling this man. And so he told him that. And apparently he looked up at them and had something to say for them. He said, for judgment I'm coming to this world that they which see not might see. Now he's talking more than just physical seeing now, isn't he? Both. Both, but now this is something beyond just natural seeing. And that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees, see, I told you they were there. They heard him and they spoke up. They said, are we blind also? He said, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remains. Now, the reason I went ahead and read all that because this last verse has some of the, well, not some, is the explanation of the first question. I'll read it again and you'll see it as we go further. He said, If you were blind, what? Do you see the recurring theme of this whole chapter is talking about blindness and sin? And seeing and light and healing are blindness and sin. But you say we see, so your sin remains. So, go back to the beginning of this chapter. And let's begin to look at this. And let's pray just a minute before we go further. Lord, we thank you for the word tonight. How precious your word is to us. Your word is life to us. Health and medicine to all of our flesh. Feed our spirit and feed our faith. Open everybody's eyes in here tonight and everybody that will hear this or see this by any other medium. And cause them to be fed and have questions answered and have problems solved. And we believe that your word is powerful and you do send your word and heal. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible said as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him a spiritual question. They asked him a theological question. Get the picture now. Jesus is walking, going somewhere. His crusade team is with him, walking along with him. And they see this guy that's sitting out here begging because he's blind. And he's been there fixture for many years. He's a grown man. And he was born blind. Not an accident. Not a disease. Born without sight. And uh, in seeing this, here they got Jesus with them. He's been answering their questions right and left. You know, every time he preaches, they're learning so much. And so they they think, here, let's find out about this. And and so they said, uh, Lord, Master, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind like this. Now notice they didn't ask him. Was it because of sin? Did they? Now y'all don't get scared on me tonight. Okay. You do. You understand this. This whole passage here. Is much misunderstood. And a lot of people even use it to try to say. Well it's you know. Sickness is the work of God. Some way or another. And uh there's such wonderful light here and there's answers if you'll look. And, and all Scripture should be uh, rightly divided with other Scripture. How many of us all the Scripture has to agree? And uh, so don't, don't get scared and just relax and believe with me tonight. Amen? Amen. They asked him, which one? They didn't say, was it because of sin? They're assuming, yeah, it is because of sin. But they're just wanting to know which one. Was it because of sin that he committed? Well, that would have been before he was born. Committing sin. That's interesting. Or his folks sin. Is that, is that why he was born this way? And Jesus answered their question. He said, neither one. Right? Neither one. This man was not born blind because he sinned before he was born. This man was not born blind because his parents sinned before he was born. Neither one. Now let's just stop right here. That, that is the answer. Right? And we'll, we'll go into some of the other in just a minute. But uh, is Jesus saying that these three adults have never sinned? Of course not. But it's not because of these three individuals, any of one of them's sin was why he was born blind. Now let's go back to some scripture, go back to Exodus, and let's see why these disciples thought this way. They didn't ask, is it because of this? They say, it is because of sin. Just which one? Let's see why they asked that and how, how they believed. Because this is, this is truth. How many know the Old Testament is truth, too. In um, Exodus, the 34th chapter. Y'all ready for this tonight? You sure? Okay. Lord said he's growing us up quick, right? So I'm not afraid to just wade on in. Cut you off a big, big chunk of solid food. Huh? Can you chew on it? (laughs) <laughs> you know, some things you don't understand in the beginning, but you just keep chewing on it. Right? You know, there's things I've asked the Lord and so sincerely. I said, Lord, teach me about this. I don't understand this. Teach me. Show me what this means. And he answered me. Fifteen years later. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about a specific thing I asked 15 years. I wasn't even thinking about it. 15 years later, I started understanding and getting light on it. I thought, thank you. And I remembered that I asked him 15 years ago, before that. But I realized why he didn't tell me 15 years ago. I had to grow before I would even understand what he was saying to me. Do You understand that three-year-olds can ask you questions. It's difficult for you to answer them. You know the answer, but they wouldn't know what you're talking about. Right? They have to grow. It's not just figuratively that the Lord calls us his little children. (laughs) Even as adults, we are really his little, little children compared to what he knows and understands. We're Ned and the first reader. That's what a brother Hagin says. <laughs> Exodus 34, are you there? The Lord revealed himself to Moses and to his people and to us, and it's recorded here in Exodus 34, 6. The Lord passed by before him. Exodus 34, 6. And he proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious and gracious. Long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. This is the Lord telling us who and what He is. This is worthy of a lot of meditation. Keeping mercy for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Now, there's numerous scriptures along this line. Let's look at another one or two. Go to uh, Jeremiah, 32nd chapter. If you're taking notes, you want to write some of this down, you'll also read about this in Numbers 14. you also read about it in Deuteronomy 5, Deuteronomy 24. There's numerous places. We won't go to all of them. But Jeremiah 32. If you've been reading your scriptures, as all faith life people do. <laughs> and of course, you know, you can read your Old Testament too. While you're reading your New Testament chapter every day, you can read in the Old Testament too. Don't just neglect that. But if you do, then you, you've seen these things. Jeremiah 32. You found Jeremiah 32 and 17. Jeremiah 32, 17. Sometimes we quote part of these, even like that one we just read, but no, we don't quote the rest of it. But it all goes together. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. he said, Ah, oh Lord God, behold, you have made the heaven and the earth by your great power, and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. How many believe that? You show loving kindness unto thousands. And recompense the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name. Great in counsel, mighty in work or deed. For your eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give to every one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Now I won't take time to go into more detail, but just ask this one question. Do the actions of parents affect their children? Absolutely. Without a question, yes. Some of the most obvious things, let's say a parent gets drunk and drives with their child and has a wreck and it kills the child. Did the action of the parent affect the child? A mother taking drugs. And the child is born deformed or dies. Did the mother's actions affect the child? These are some of the most obvious. But both natural actions and spiritual actions affect the children and the children's children and the children's children's children under the fourth generation he mentioned. And it works both ways. Now some people say, well, I, I don't think that's fair. Well, you're wrong. God is fair. I said God is fair. There's nobody, nobody even understands fair like Him. And right. And just. You must understand though, that the Lord allows a lot of things that don't please Him. That are not His will. But He is just in all that He does. And He's just in all He allows. You know, a, a instructor of mine in Bible school said this one time stuck with me. He said, "Always stay on God's side." <laughs> we we're talking about Old Testament, we we're talking about the judgments, and we we're talking about things. And he said, "Whether you understand or not, have some sense. Always stay on God's side. Never get to look and go, I don't understand that." Why that happened, that don't seem right to me. Now you're acting a fool. Whether you understand or not, have some sense. Realize God's smarter than you are and you say, well, the Lord, he is God. And he is righteous and he is fair. Amen. In all he does and all he does not do and all he allows, he is just. Amen. He is fair. And he is good. Amen. How many believe this now? Amen. This will get you through some tough places in life. You know, there'll be some places in life with, with all of us that you may be to the place where you think, well, Lord, why this or, or why not this? And sometimes you see people, I, I've talked to people more than once that were mad at God. Shake a fist and go, why, God? Why? Why did you let this happen? Or why didn't you do this? Or why why did you let? Or why didn't you do? That is not okay. Ever. Especially if you know God and you've been walking with God for a while. That is dangerous stuff. Because what you're doing is you're going, God, that's not right. You're not fair. You're not just. You're not faithful. And friend, that's a lie from the pit. God has never failed anybody. He has never let anybody down. He has never been unfaithful. Never. Never. They're just people that don't understand what's going on. There was a case back years ago when I first started in the ministry. And I tried to help a man to be healed. And he didn't receive. And I was a little surprised. Because, I mean, talking to him and working with him, it sounded to me like he was in faith. And we're doing everything we knew. And he just got worse and worse and died. But thank God I had enough sense. I didn't get mad at God. I said, Lord, you didn't fail us. Show me where we missed it. Show me what, what to do. I know you didn't fail us. Everybody say always. always. Stay, Stay. On, God's side. on God's side. Trust him. And uh, it wasn't just a few months after that that I, I found out some things. And I realized the guy wasn't in faith at all. He'd talk faith while I was there. And then when I'd leave, he'd he'd make funeral plans. He just said what he thought I wanted him to say. And in looking at the whole situation, it took me a while to see it. Some things, even years. But looking back, I realized God was more merciful than I would have asked him to be. God did more. How many understand it's always that way? Whether you see it or whether you don't, God is faithful. He's merciful. He does all he can do and yet be just. How many understand? He can't bless disobedience. He can't promote sin. You understand? He can't can't bless people that just ignore his plan and won't do it his way and they're going to do it another way. And he just says, well, okay, forget my word. We'll do it your way. That's not happening. And so there, there are limitations at times. On what he can do for people. All over this world. He is allowing things that don't please him. But it's not his will. It's not his fault. Go with me to Lamentations real quickly. Lamentations. And the third chapter. We got us a big subject tonight. I got lots of notes. I've talked these things for years but you know I want to do a good job and so before I get ready to teach it again I get down and look up all my scriptures again but the problem is it grows on me it keeps growing and as you well know Lamentations now that's in the Old Testament <laughs> anybody know where Lamentations is? In? right after Jeremiah have you found it yet? If not, I guess write it down and look it up later. Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3. Verse 31. This is written out of a people who have been judged and with whom things are are not going well for Going through really bad times. And the prophet says in Jeremiah 3.31, He said, The Lord will not cast off forever. But though, this is Lamentations 3.32 now. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict, what? Willingly, nor grieve the children of men. There are all kind of things that the Lord allows. It's not his perfect will. Now get this phrase, nor is it his work. But he allows it and permits it. One of the big reasons why he does is because people permit it. And people have a free will. And I understand even with the most basic of this, if people choose to reject Jesus, can they do that? And if they die without Jesus and they go to hell, they? Does God allow that? Yeah. yeah. And people say, well, God will send them to hell. They sent their self. Right. He sent Jesus. Yeah. Paid the price. They had the opportunity. Can you say, well, since God allowed it, it must have been his will. Right. Certainly you cannot. But he allows what people allow. It's not his will. It doesn't please him. He passes judgment that allows the destroyer access, and it grieves him. But it it has to be done. But if you're smart, you'll hook up with God. You'll obey him. Can you say amen? And if you mess up, you'll judge yourself. Get it right? What the Bible says, you judge yourself. You won't be judged. That's good news. Amen. You'll be blessed. God will be able to do in your life what pleases Him. What is His will? What is His work? Go back to John. Let's keep reading. Hallelujah. Actually, go to 2 Samuel while we're talking about this, and I'll just, I'll just maybe conclude this particular vein, 2 Samuel 3. I'm asking the question now because uh, I don't know if you realize, and I'm sure you do realize, how many books have been written on this subject? Why do bad things happen to good people? And it's this great mystery, and, and people have all kind of theories about it, and a lot of them involve some kind of variant Of God using tragedy and destruction to teach you. And that in some kind of way. Sickness. Poverty. Lack. Destruction. Accidents. Disease. Is the work of God. And it's just mysterious. And we don't understand it. But it is the work of God. I'm telling you boldly. It is not the work of God. Stealing. Killing. Destroying is not, never has been, is not, never will be, the work of God. Sickness is not a blessing in disguise. Or otherwise, it's a curse. Was a curse, is a curse, will always be a curse. Did you hear me? Poverty is not a blessing in disguise. I grew up poor. Ain't nothing good about it. Well, you know, we had such good times eating our cold cornbread and wild onions and (laughs) looking at the stars through the cracks in the roof and could see the chickens in the cracks under the floor. Wasn't them the good old days. No, honey, them wasn't the good old days. (laughs) People romanticize about poverty. Poverty will kill you. There, There is untold, nobody on earth knows the number of people who are dead because they just didn't have enough to eat or enough for simple medical attention. You understand what I'm saying? It's happening all over the world. Is that a blessing in disguise? Well, then if a lot of poverty is bad, then medium degree of poverty is bad and a little poverty is bad. It's just bad. Anybody besides me in here believe that? Poverty is bad. Sickness is bad. Destruction is bad. Jesus said, John 10, 10. The thief doesn't come, except he comes to steal or to kill or destroy. Is Jesus talking about the Father? I mean, it's nigh unto blasphemy to even try to say such a thing. Who's he talking Is he talking about the father of God? Of course not. He's talking about the devil. In Revelation called Apollyon, Abaddon, which means the destroyer. So is destroying the work of God or the work of the devil? Are you confused about it? Come on, help me out. Let's go through that one more time. Is destroying the work of God no. or is it the work of the devil? Devil. Does the work of the devil please God? No. Well, if one work of the devil pleased God, I reckon all of them would please God. Hmm? Does sin please God? No. Rebellion and disobedience please God? No. Well, why would any of the works of the devil please God? They don't. The works of God please God. Huh? <laughs> I know you may think I'm being simplistic and redundant, but this is how it works. Amen. Amen. The truth will set you free. And the church has been embalmed with centuries of junk in these areas, believing lies I mean, I've read books. I wouldn't even tell you the title. I don't want you reading them, but I read books in school about these guys with degrees this long into their name. And, and they bet you read the whole thing. Have to use a dictionary for half of it, but you read the whole thing. And the bottom line is God and the devil are kind of working together. Well, if they are, we're done. We might as well hang it up now. And if God is using the works of the devil and they're kind of working together on this some way or another, how do we know what to resist and what to receive? Right. We're hopelessly confused. Yeah. We don't know what's a work of God and what's a work of the devil. It's not that confusing. Amen. Read the book. What did Jesus resist? Then that's what you resist. What did he receive? Then that's what you receive. Forget about what unbelieving people try to tell you. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. How you know it's the devil? You don't have to wait till somebody shows up in a red suit with a pitchfork. How do you know it's the work of the devil? We've already been talking about it. If it steals from you. Is God stealing from you? No. No. So you know it ain't God. So we don't have to have it. Let's resist it. Amen. If it steals from you, if it kills anything in your life, if it destroys anything in your life, then you don't have to be be mamby-pamby around it. Stand up and resist it. Tell it to stop. Tell it to get out of your life. Because it ain't God. It's not God. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. Go to John nine. Then. No, no, no. Second Samuel. I hadn't read it to you yet, have I? Second Samuel three. We're answering the question two. Do the actions of the parents affect the children? It's obvious. It's obvious. Read this again in Second Samuel three. Verse 28, 2 Samuel three twenty-eight. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever from the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Now, Joab, you know, was David's commander in chief. And he was a fighting dude. You would not want to meet Joab on the field. But he was just a killer, too. And he killed Abner, who was a good man, because he felt like Abner had threatened his position. He was afraid that Abner had the king's ear and was going to wind up because something had been said about him winding up with Joab's job. And so he came to meet him and acted like a friend and stabbed him in the, in the belly while he's supposed to be hugging him and talking. I mean, this is evil. Evil. And so David wanted it known that he was no part of that. And he pronounced to the people, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever from this blood. Verse 29, let it rest on the head of Joab and on all his father's house. And let not there, and let there not fail from the house of Joab one that has an issue or that's a leper or that leans on a staff. Or falls on the sword? Or that lacks bread? Is that going to affect his descendants? Yeah. You know one of the awful things is the leaders of the Jews stood out when uh, Pilate was trying to let Jesus go. Remember that? And they said let his blood be on us and on our children. Well, look down through the years. Terrible judgment and problems. Both the obedience of parents and the disobedience of parents affects their children and their children's children and their children's children's children until the fourth generation. People who obey God and who serve God. I'm telling you, others have labored and we're entering into the fruits of their labors. There, there are forefathers of yours you don't even know yet. You'll meet them when you get to heaven. But you've been afforded some things and some opportunities because they loved God and obeyed God. Amen? How many times have children been spared because mama served God and daddy served God and grandma served God and prayed and other kids or other people perished but theirs were spared. Is that fair? Yeah. Is God fair? Yeah. Well, it works both ways, though. If God's going to remember people who loved him and served him, what about those that hated him? And if blessings come on those generation after generation, then what about the curse? The Lord answered their question, though, didn't he? I mean, after all we've said about this, when he said, which one was it? Boy, are the the parents. What did he say? Yet, was there a reason why the man was born blind? Yes. Yeah, there was. Did these people know it? No. Was it the will of God that he'd be born that way? No. Did it please God? No. 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 And yet, there was a reason why. People try to make things to be some kind of a blessing in disguise. But you understand, no deformity is a blessing in disguise. No disability, no, no physical disablement, no, no physical disease, no poverty is a blessing. Did you hear me? No. People try to make it. They do their best to say, well, uh, it, it, it makes the person special. No, the person is special in God, but the deformity is not special. Did you hear me? And people have courage and they overcome problems, but don't try to say it was a blessing. It's not. Right? Poverty is not a blessing. And what the Lord says in this passage now, after he tells them neither has this man sinned nor his parents that he should be born blind. But, here's here's part of what people get confused about. But, that what? Are you there with me in John 9? But what? That the works of God, now get this, should be, should be made manifest in Him. I must work the works of Him that sent me. Now let's just stop right here. Ask a question, let's answer it. Have the works of God been manifest in this man yet? Huh? Jesus said, I what? I must work the works. That the works of God should be manifest. Is he saying that the blindness was the works of God manifest in the man? No, No, he said that the works of God should be manifest in him. We haven't seen the works of God. Yet, in this man's situation. Do you understand this now? He said, As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Light. The works of God had not been made manifest in him. Jesus didn't tell the man that he was born blind for a purpose and to bear his cross. Did he? He didn't tell him that God was working something out in his life to be patient, did he? He didn't tell him it was a blessing in disguise. He was used of God to get rid of the blindness, right? And when the man went and washed and came again seeing, was that the work of God? Then the works of God were made manifest in the man. 1 John 3, what is it, 8? In fact, just turn there. I could quote it, but hold your place and turn there. We're turning tonight. 1 John 3, 8. The latter part of it says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Is that your and my? Charge and task to? He that believeth on me, Jesus said, the works that I do, he'll do the same works. What works is that? Works of God. Going about destroying, doing away with the works of the devil. Even greater works than these shall he do, he said, because I go to my Father. The works of God are good things. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good. Making people blind? No. Do you understand? I mean, I know, I know I sound very simplistic and very repetitive, but there's a reason why. Millions and millions of, uh, of people, I mean, every Sunday, every week, preachers get in their pulpits and tell people. To be patient and to bear these things because God's working something out in your life. And I know you don't enjoy it and it's destroying you, but you know, God's teaching you something. Well, if that's so, won't you hurry up and learn it so you can get out? (laughs) But you see, people go through stuff and go through stuff and go through stuff and God's supposed to be teaching them. And 20 years later, they're destroyed and still ain't got a clue what he's supposed to be teaching them. But dear Lord, I know the Lord's a better teacher than that. Surely he could get it crossed to you sooner than that. The works of God are good things. Amen? Healing is the work of God. Jesus went about doing good and healing. Healing. All who were oppressed of the devil. So all he healed. None of them were oppressed of God. All of them were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Hallelujah. That's the work of God. I said that's the work of God. You and I need, need to be bold. We don't need to be intimidated by other people and their wrong beliefs. Dr. Alexander Dowie, who was used so mightily of God at the turn of the century in the healing ministry. That's the revelation he got that changed his life and that changed who knows how many people. People were dying by a plague in his town. Relatives of his, right and left, they were burying them every day by the score. And he didn't know what to do. And he read Acts Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He thought oppressed of the devil. The Bible calls sickness satanic oppression. It took him a bit, but he, he, he realized sickness is not of God. Because they'd all been tiptoeing around. Why is God sending this plague on the community? We don't know, but he mysterious. He, he's mysterious. And he's doing some things we don't understand, but we just have to have to take the good with the bad, and that's being passive. That's yielding and giving place to the works of the enemy in your life. But man, he got a hold of that verse, and I, one of his relatives was about dead, and he went and found them, and he went in there, and he began to pray, rebuke the devil. He began to rebuke the devil and say, you foul sickness, you disease, you leave this one." And boy, the preachers got home and said, whoa, don't you dare speak that way about the work of God. He said, sirs, I'll have you know that is not the work of God. That is the work of the devil and I rebuke it. Amen. And that relative was healed and his ministry started there and went around the world. But you see the revelation that got him, got him out and broke him out. Was to realize this is not, this blindness is not the work of God. But you hear people try to take that passage and twist it around and say, well now this blindness was the work of God. No, he said that, read it, look at it yourself. Make sure you understand I'm not misquoting it. He said that the works of God, what? Should be made manifest. Is this future tense? Then the works of God hadn't been manifest in that man's being born blind. I must work the works of him that sent me. That's something he's about to do, right? Hasn't happened. We're not the blindness is not the work of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Sickness and disease, like one individual said, he said it is the foul offspring of its father Satan and its mother sin. It is not the work of God. Go with me please to uh, John fifteen. Just turn over just a few pages. John fifteen and look at something, and we, we should camp on this a little bit. This gets a lot bigger than physical healing. John fifteen twenty two. Jesus said, if I had not come and spoken to them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them what? The works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen and hated both me and my Father. Now back up to verse 22 now. He said, if I hadn't spoken to them, they wouldn't have had sin. Uh, Hold that thought. Go to Romans 5. Romans 5. Romans 5.12. Wherefore, is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin? And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Had this man sinned and his parents that caused him to be born blind? Jesus said no. Does that mean these three adults have not sinned? No, of course they've sinned. But he's answering the question, it wasn't their sin that caused this. Does that mean there was no cause? Well, obviously there was a cause. Was it the will of God? No. Did it please God? No. Was the blindness a work of God? Blindness is the stealing of somebody's sight. Or the destruction of the eyes or the optic nerve. God created the human body in his own likeness and image. How many know in the beginning when God made man, formed a body out of the dust of the earth and breathed the breath of life, and and man became a living soul? And he looked at everything he made and said, Behold, it is good. Everybody say good. How many believe Adam had a squint in one eye? One foot, one, one leg about three inches shorter than the other. One kidney was deformed. Blood disease. One bad ear. One crossed eye. Huh? Are you sure? Huh? Why are you so sure? Two things we've already said. He made him in his own image. Right? And we know that everything he made, he pronounced it himself, was very good. Can you look at deformity and go, behold... It is very good. Can you look at cancer and go, behold, it is very good. Can you look at AIDS or any of those things and go, behold, it is very No. Why? Because sickness and disease and deformity was not a part of God's original creation. It came later. By one man's sin. Right? Death came into the world. Destruction. So this later development is not an improvement on God's creation. You see sickness and disease and debility and deformity twist people's bodies and, and change their countenance and contort them to the point they barely resemble the image of God anymore. How could God be pleased with something that takes his masterpiece and distorts it until it barely resembles him? I know when I was in healing school years ago, we were, had, some little, had some babies in there. One of them had this terrible disease, growths all over its body. It just cried in pain night and day. And the parents were just so distraught, they would have, in a moment, given their life to stop this. And here's this little babe. In this torment and pain. And I remember one day after that I went to my office. And I sat down. And I put my hands kind of firmly on the desk. I said, devil, you have made yourself a lifelong enemy. Anybody that do this. Long as I draw a breath. I will resist you. I'll preach the truth. Amen. Amen. We will use every mighty weapon that God has given us at our disposal. And we will do the works of Jesus, which is to destroy, eliminate your works. How did He do it? Went about doing good and healing, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Fed the hungry. Delivered the oppressed. Oh, preach the good news to the poor. What is good news to the poor? Ain't gotta be poor no more. Huh? That's good news to a poor man. What's good news to the blind man? You can see? Good news to the man told he's gotta die. You can live? Huh? Is the gospel good news? Is there good news for every level of life? Is there good news for the spirit and the soul, the mind, the emotions, the body, the finances, the family? Has God covered it all? When he said, it is finished, did he leave anything out? I think not. I believe we are complete in him. Amen? Amen? Do you know the work of the devil when you see it? Yes. Do you know the work of God when you see it? Yes. Praise God. In this passage again, back up, let me let me say this about this. John 9. Niner, as Pilate said. He said, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither, neither one. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him, I must work the works of him that sent me. Why did uh, why did he say they, they hadn't sinned when we know those three adults had sinned when you don't know where well, there is no law? He said, if I hadn't come and told them these things, they wouldn't have sinned. Skip down to the very end of the chapter. He said, I'm coming into the world that they which see not might see. That they which see might be made blind. Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words. They said, are we blind too? He said, if you were blind, what? You would have no. What did he say about these people? Not their sin. Yeah, but you know they've missed it. And you know there's a reason why this happened. But when you're blind, when you don't see it, You're not held accountable for it. Did you hear me? You may have to meditate on this a while. but When you don't see it. God holds you accountable only for the light you have. Now if you're ignorant of the law of gravity. And you walk off the house. Top of the house. What will happen to you? If you're white, black, Asian, Native American, old, young, educated, uneducated, rich, poor, everybody. Walk off the top of the house, you go down. And if it's a five-story house, you go down a long ways and you hit hard. We couldn't say you were a bad man. If you really were ignorant of the law of gravity, it was possible you'd been living on some other planet or something, and you didn't know about the law of gravity, you really were ignorant. You didn't know about the law of gravity, but are you hurt anyway? Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance can get you hurt. Whether it was grandpa or great grandpa or whoever, not knowing God, not serving God affects you, affects your kids, affects your life. Did you hear me? But you don't look at somebody and say, well, you got sin in your life, that's why you got that. No, not necessarily. Did you hear me? You wouldn't have that if it wasn't for sin. No, hold up. Jesus said no. In this case, no. Now, if you look at the other one back in John 5, we won't take time to turn there. We're going to study that later. And you remember the man that Jesus healed? And then he caught him later and said, now go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. In his case, it was his sin that opened the door to that physical problem. But in this case, no, it was not their sin that opened the door for this. Why? Why? Blindness. Ignorance. Didn't know. They didn't realize they had a healing covenant with God. I don't know what their parents knew or what their grandparents or great-grandparents knew. But how many know that right now, if the Lord tears is coming for a while, you can set some things up for your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Amen? By what? By walking in the light that you have. Can you say amen? amen? Walking in the light that you have. And he looked at his uh, students who had got theological on him today. And another way of saying this is, hey, neither one. Get off of that. This is an opportunity for the works of God. Well, why are they that way? Let's don't camp on that. Let's get them healed. Come on, amen? Amen. Yeah. You know, why is all this? Well, there's reasons why, but theologians are content to debate something all night and day and walk off and leave the person just like they are. Well, not Jesus. Jesus said, uh which one? Neither one. End of story. (laughs) Let's get the works of God. Here's an opportunity. Is God in sin? No, but a person in sin is an opportunity. For the work of God to be manifested in them being born again and cleaned up and saved. Is sickness the work of God? No. But it's an opportunity. I said it's an opportunity. It's an occasion. An opportunity for God's work to be manifested in them being healed and set free. Amen. Everybody say occasion. Opportunity. For the work of God. To be manifested. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He spit on the ground, made clay, put it on that man's eyes, and and he did so that man could feel this. You know, you need points of contact. He could feel this, and he said, now you go to this pool, and you wash it. Now here's a man, his parents were blind spiritually. He was blind spiritually and physically. But the Lord gave him some light wasn't a big theological thing. It is go wash. How do you come out of blindness? How do you come out of poverty? How do you come out of all kind of disaster? Even something that's plagued your family for generations. How can you get out of it? You listen to Jesus. And he'll tell you something. Hey, it'll seem like it's too simple. It'll seem like, well, why? You know, got mud in my eye. Go wash it off. Yeah, I guess so. Wash it off. Well, you put it there. <laughs> You can be sarcastic, you can get analytical, you can try to reason, but hey, the smart man will go, yes sir, somebody get me to the pool of Siloam. Where is that pool? And you don't make substitutes, and you don't make excuses. You get yourself to the pool. He sent you to. Amen? Now you may think I'm just a-preaching tonight, but I'm telling you, there's a word of the Lord. For everybody in every situation, it is light from heaven. It's not complicated. It's not hard to do. He'll tell you, go do this thing. Go over that church. Get in that meeting. Go over here and do what I tell you. Sit down and read this chapter and start saying this over yourself. And it may seem, well, why do that? What good is that? Just do what he said. You got light now. Walk in it. But see, him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. You get the light and you don't walk in it. You're not going to get the results. Well, if we had another month, why folk don't get results? They get light and they don't walk in it. So they stay right where they are in confusion. But the Lord says, rise up, go to that pool. Thank God this is why the man's in the book. How many believe it happened just like that? Tradition tells us he found somebody, well, he's blind, to lead him to the pool. A little boy led him. They could have stopped at this house and washed in the, in the sink, but that wouldn't have been what he said. They could have stopped at this first fountain. He said, no, no, he said the pool of Siloam. So there they go. There they go. There they go. Finally, he said, this is it. This is it. says Siloam right there. And so he washed. How many believe God can do something that medical science can't do? Somebody born without something. Huh? And how quick opened his eyes for the first time. He's a, he's an adult man for the first time in all these years. He can see. Lift up your hands and say, I believe. I believe in healing. I believe, I believe in miracles. I believe. I believe in a God of light God. who gives light. gives light. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Just begin to praise him a little bit. Thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Glory to you, Jesus. Glory to your holy name. You are the light. You are the light. Lord, I'm asking you tonight to give light to people in their situations. Folk that have had problems because of blindness violating things, messing up some things, but didn't didn't know what they're doing, so they're not in sin. You're not holding it against them. They didn't even know. But they need light. They need light. Everybody I say it out loud, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name for light for every area of my life. And especially for any area where there's been stealing, killing, or destroying, I ask you for light. And I believe I receive. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge, by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge,